This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. Well, it's the Warren I-4 Highlight Show, so we've got some of those for you. Yeah, we might not have all of the highlights from the game, like the first four touchdowns, for example, but so much happened, you'll hear some emotional comments from Daniel DePrado afterwards. Now, as we're taping this show, obviously, I know that the football coaching announcement is what everyone wants to know about, but this is going to be just focusing on what happened over the weekend. There were plenty of basketball highlights from Astero with the women's team. Unfortunately, after a win in the opener, went one and two really easily could have been in the finals last night against Baylor. And by the way, Michigan, the team that the Bulls led by seven points in the fourth quarter, ended up winning the event. So the Bulls are right there with some top teams in the country, but didn't get that win and then were not really close against Villanova last night. Kind of a carryover effect, if you ask me. And Jose Fernandez said as much. Boy, the Bulls have a couple days off and then they're right back at it against another ranked team on the road. The men's team, meanwhile, is on a two-game winning streak, and we'll have some of the highlights from Friday afternoon's victory and some comments from Brian Gregory that I thought were really good on his show that he and Jim Lighthall taped for us on Sunday. If you didn't get a chance to hear it, it aired a few times. We'll do it again on Monday afternoon. We'll also have the conference show around the American later on on Monday, and there's a few things happening around the American. We knew that the Bulls were going to have a new football coach. We didn't know that so many other teams in the conference would, with Luke Fickle leaving for Wisconsin, Perhaps Willie Fritz leaving for Georgia Tech. Philip Montgomery let go at Tulsa. So not only the football events, but a full weekend of basketball, a full weekend of soccer as both men's teams that were still going were both eliminated over the weekend. So conference show alone could be about an hour today. We'll condense it down to 15, 20 minutes or so, and we'll do that later on in the afternoon. But right now it's Bulls beat, and yes, lots of highlights from the war on I-4. And what a comeback it was. The Bulls, of course, lose the game 46-39. We replay the game plenty, so if you want to hear all the details of how UCF jumped ahead 28-0, you can definitely do that. But we're going to focus on the comeback and how incredible it was. And it all started with what looked like it was going to be a punt in 28-0 at halftime, or maybe even worse. But a timeout was called, and the change was made, and why not go for it? And an amazing effort. If this doesn't happen... I think there's no way the Bulls ever have a lead in this game for certain, but this is the play that started it all. So the Bulls needing nine yards here will go for it on fourth down with 155 remaining in the first half. Dukes the running back, four wide receivers. Low snap, great catch by Brown. He's looking, he's looking, rolls out to the right. Throws, it's Dallison, makes a man miss, and he gets the first down along the far sideline. Great yards after catch by O'Marion Dallison. That made all the difference. In more ways than one, Jim Lauk, as that allowed the Bulls to at least have a little bit of hope going into half. Oh, by the way, something else. I don't know if you'd call this a highlight, but I thought the descriptions of Jim and Joey Johnston right there in the fracas were pretty good. Brown rolling to the left, looking, looking, can't find anything, so he'll tuck it and run, and he is drilled out of bounds on a dirty hit after the play, and that's got a lot of people pushing and shoving. Flags are all over the place. It was 
well after Brown got out of bounds that he was hit hard on the end of that play. Well, welcome to rivalry week. Yeah, it's, <laughs> these type of things are going to happen. Brown was able to get up because that was a pretty bad hit, and I'll tell you what, that player, once he got up on the sideline, probably they talk about swarming, but so many guys just kind of picked him up and carried him off the sideline. It was truly a sight to see, but this is rivalry week, and that's what happens in these type of games. Joey, it's a Pier 6 brawl. Who was in the middle of it? Well, the one I saw was Demetrius Harris. He's pretty mild-mannered, efficient guy, but I've never seen him with that kind of look in his eye, I think he felt like somebody went after his quarterback and somebody was going to have to pay. And the officials were even pushing Demetrius Harris out of the pile. Demetrius was a man possessed, but I think it really riled up the whole USF sideline, them going after Byron Brown well after uh, that he was out of bounds. Always loved Meech Harris, Demetrius Harris, but we learned based on what happened on Saturday night that he is the guy, along with Rashawn Yates, that's not going to stand for anything if you saw, of course, afterwards UCF tried to plant its flag on the Bulls midfield, and Demetrius Harris wasn't having that either, and Rashawn Yates took some guys out. Those are the two ugly moments, but hey, you can't expect in this rivalry for everybody to glad hand and hug it out uh, at any point. So yeah, maybe that put the fire underneath the Bulls. They just didn't have much going at that point, and of course, the half ends with the touchdown as Byron Brown found Sean Atkins. Tight ends go in motion. They split wide right now. Hand off. No, they're going to throw. It's Atkins. And let's see. Did he get in? Yes. Touchdown, USF. Sean Atkins came in motion. Brown hit him on the run. Atkins dove for the pylon, and he got the score. Still, the score was 28-7 at halftime, and you just didn't think that anything like what happened was possible. John Rice Plumley was running all over the place, but on his last score, he kind of came up limp and turned out had a hamstring injury. So Mikey Keene had some issues with exchanging with running backs, and that definitely helped the Bulls get back into this game, but it was the Bulls' third turnover on an attempted trick play that set up at least just a field goal. UCF got inside the Bulls 20, but it was 31-7, so the Bulls hung around. And then this big run sparked things in the second half. Well, they got a nice run going now, a pitch to Brian Batte. He weaves his way downfield, and he's racing for the end zone. He's downed at the eight. Brian Batte, that's going to be close to 70 yards. And it'll set up a first and goal for South Florida. They pitched left. He got the edge, cut it back inside, and almost took it all the way home. Officially 69 yards for Batty. Second down and goal from the five. Duke still the running back. Horn and Willis to the left now. Horn in motion. Brown keeper, and he's into the end zone. Touchdown, USF. Byron Brown, five-yard run. Bulls going for two, trying to make it a two-score game. The tight ends flare out left. Brown goes over center, throws to Horn, eludes one tackler, dives for the pylon, and he's in. Two-point conversion for South Florida. Great effort by Jimmy Horn. And it's now a two-score game at 31-15. to 15. How about the advanced math by the coaching staff realizing they're down 24. It's technically a three-score game, and 
be darned if they didn't play it out to the tee with three straight touchdowns and three straight two-point conversions. They got another one after that first fumble. What a sequence here. Gain of two, second down and eight on the 27-yard line. Fumble on the handoff. Scramble for it. Who's got it? Who's got it? The Bulls have it. Dwayne Boyles. The turnover drought is over. The thing I'm, I'm enjoying seeing the most is his family. It's about 30 of them here, all Drayton and Dwayne Boyle's T-shirts. And it's just so beautiful to see him get a turnover in the drought. But obviously, it's senior night. He's a senior. He gets a turnover. He's been such a special player for this program, going on five years now, carrying on the linebacker tradition. Just how about Dwayne Boyle's? Second and goal from the five. Horn in motion. Dukes. Fights his way into the end zone. Touchdown, South Florida. Michael Dukes from five yards out. They have converted their last two two-point conversions, including one tonight. Dukes is the running back from the three. Trying to make it an eight-point game. Byron Brown throws to the end zone. Caught, Atkins. The Bulls convert again. And it's 31 to 23 with 5:03 left in the third quarter. I hope you guys were able to be a part of that. I, of course, was with women's basketball, so we were just watching from afar. But it sounds like an amazing environment at Raymond James Stadium, and it even got more cranked up with another incredible turnover and then ensuing touchdown. O'Keefe in motion. They give to him coming around the left side, and he'll be dumped. At about the 28, I think the Bulls have the ball. They do. UCF turned it over again. South Florida football. Boy, oh boy, they got another one. Dwayne Boyles lost his helmet, but the Bulls found the football. Oh, it's definitely going to be Dwayne Boyles who recovered that football. And I'm telling you, the feeling that Dwayne Boyles has to have right now is something that cannot be matched. For this to happen two drives in a row, on senior night against the rival, this is something that just does not happen. And I'm, I'm just so excited for him right now. And I see the intensity on the sideline. That is what USF needed to turn the tides. Now these guys are going in on a 29-yard line. Bulls got to hurry here, running out of time. They snap in time. Batty fights his way forward, breaks through tackles, heading for the end zone. He's close. Did he make it? No signal yet. Bulls are celebrating like he did. He did, and the only thing that went wrong was the failed two-point conversion, but I think with so much time left, you'll take 31-29 after it was 28-0. However, UCF would you know, be able to clean things up and eventually go down the field, which is what they did the two times they really needed to in the second half. And then with 12 and a half minutes to go, it becomes 38-29. Bulls skip down the field themselves, but get sacked on a third and goal from the eight, settled for a field goal, 38-32. Then how about the defense coming up with a big-time stop? This was one of the big defensive plays of the season, really. Big, big play here for the Bulls' defense. Harvey in motion. They flare it out to him, and he stops short. Will Jones makes the tackle at the 32-yard line. It's fourth down and three. And Bulls fans say hello to Mitch McCarthy. He's the UCF punter. Plenty of time left for plenty of stuff to happen, and it did in this fantastic sequence here as the Bulls came all the way back. 
Bulls trying to get their first lead of the game. They trail 38-32. Three wide receivers left. Willis to the right. Batty the running back. Bulls need to get to the 35. Brown rolling to the right. Keeps it. Runs it. He's got the first down and more. Breaks the tackle. He's going all the way. Byron Brown. Touchdown. USF. This game is tied. 42 yards, Byron Brown. The Bulls are all the way back. And the point after coming. They talked about this kid's poise pretty much all week. They talked about his maturity pretty much all week. And now the fans, everybody, his teammates most importantly, are getting an opportunity to see what that's like in real time. It's nothing fake about it. He's a prototypical style quarterback. But this guy can run, and he's smart with the ball. This guy's not playing like a true freshman who's only started one game prior to this one. He now has 99 yards rushing. Here is the extra point. South Florida takes the lead. You hear the crowd. It's getting loud here. South Florida, 39. UCF, 38. Well, as you know, as great as that was, things didn't end so great. A forced fumble, and boy, they could have put it away. But three straight runs netted two yards, gave UCF plenty of time to either get a go-ahead field goal or touchdown. Hey, if you want to hear that, like I said, we're replaying the game in full, but we'll stop it there. We'll hear some from Daniel DePrado, and then we'll take a look around the rest of the weekend. We mentioned basketball. Also, volleyball finished up its season on Friday. It's weird how a lot of stuff has just come to a close, although there's, of course, plenty of news to come when it comes to the football. New head coach, that'll play out surely this week. In fact, Michael Kelly gave us just a little bit of a scoop. Okay, maybe not much of a scoop during our halftime interview. If you want to hear that, we posted it to the Unlimited Unloaded page. That's on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, SoundCloud, etc. But that's for the rest of the week. For today, we're just sort of recapping a memorable Warren I-4, unfortunately, one by UCF. This is Bulls Beat. Stay tuned. Back to the beat. Bulls Beat continues with Derek Sharp. Gotta say, the football season is always very enjoyable to work here on USF Bulls Unlimited. We just finished up season number six, and I have such a great crew that I work with. Our new engineer, Brett Holcomb, tweeted out some nice photos from the booth after the game on Saturday night. Jim Lauk does an outstanding job. Jim Lighthall, who was carrying the mail for me as I was in Estero with women's basketball. So we'll talk more about our crew. I don't want to do too much of a you know end credit situation here. But the point I'm making is it was a long season. And while the football credits roll, we get hopping on basketball as we've already been for about a month here. We'll get into some highlights of that. But wanted to play these awesome comments from Daniel DePrado, who, yes, had his oldest daughter with him just to keep his composure, or at least tried to. Here's what he had to say after the Bulls' 46-39 loss in the Warren I-4. At one point in that game, at one point in that game, we looked it up. I believe the probability uh, of the other team winning was like 99.7, 99.8. The third quarter, 99.5, 99.7, 99.8 probability of them winning. And our kids dug down. They got backed into a corner. And our kids dug down and fought. And I told those young men in that locker room that I'd ride with them any day. It's going. And it's going the right direction. And I don't know why, I don't know why it didn't turn out the way we wanted to tonight. And obviously, we get to go look at film and, and, and evaluate that. But these young men battled their tails off. Um, some of the things that came up, 
And that guy right there forced two fumbles, recovered, I think he recovered both, recovered both of them, got us right back in the game, just makes plays everywhere. Brian Batia had his fifth, fifth 100 yard rushing game. Next year, he'll come back. That tied the record. Next year, in the first game of the year, he'll have his sixth in a row, which will break the record. He'll hold that record as he walks in the back right here. Byron Brown rushed for over 100 yards, two touchdowns rushing, had another one passing. Um, just, and I'm not surprised. I told you all that. That's how he prepares. We gave ourselves a chance. We came back against all odds. Nobody gave us a chance at that point, nobody. And uh, those kids put their head down, they worked. And at some point in life, um, they're all going to be better because of it. They're going to be better men. They're going to be better players. This team's going to be better next year because of it. I'm just so damn proud of, of I'm just damn proud of being a bull. Tell you, you just don't know how it's going to go, but you look at guys like him, special teams coach, Ace, Travis Trickett, Alan Mogridge on the offensive line. It is hard to believe that really not for lack of effort, they'll probably all be moving on elsewhere. That's the strange thing about the coaching profession. In fact, as we get into basketball, Brian Gregory, this is from his show that you can hear in full plenty of times, had these comments not on his basketball team, but on the football situation that I thought were fantastic. Yeah, I, I think first and foremost, just a heartbreaker uh, in, in the loss. Give those guys credit. You look at the way they've battled the, you know, the last three or four weeks, decimated guys. You, you can't win. You can't play and, and, and show what you're capable of doing. I always say the worst thing as a coach is not to have the team on the field that you've recruited and coached. And when you got 19 guys out with season-ending injuries, it doesn't matter. It, it just doesn't matter because the guys can play their tails off, which I think we've done. But without depth and without recovery and all those different things, man, it's, it's near impossible. So give the coaching credit, give the players a ton of credit. Um, just gut-wrenching. I mean, the, it, it was a tough one, bitter pill to swallow. But as you said, nothing's more important than the football program. It, it's just the way it is in college athletics, and I understand that. So, it, you know, it's critical that we get this thing going. I do think it's a different time and age, who stays, who goes, all these different things. But if we can keep those guys that are younger players, get those guys back from injury. I mean, I feel for Jeff Scott, but it's a business, and everybody who's in it knows it. I always say it's a, it's a great profession and a crappy job. You know what I mean? At the same time, who we bring in and the excitement that that's going to bring, we need to capitalize on, and I think we will. What a line about great profession, crappy job. I know what he means by that. When everything's going well, you're on top of the mountain, but it can change in the other direction. Now, we're not done talking about this year's team and some of the individuals, but it's a 30-minute show, so we will move on. And, oh, yes, Brian Gregory on his show, which is about a 45-minute program, did speak about the men's basketball team, which won its second in a row on Friday afternoon after a slow start, rolling St. Francis 75-60. to Here are some of the highlights. Tyler Harris, three ball, right side, good. A low pass, he collected it near his knees, set his feet, fired it, hit, and we got a tie game. Well, Tyler Harris starting to heat up. It's a ball down into the paint, and the Bulls took that one away as well. Another turnover. Here's Harris, fires to Selton Miguel, to the basket, the layup is good. Running and gunning, the Bulls have taken the lead. Selton Miguel to Sam Hines, passes into the corner. Tyler Harris thought about the three, gets it to Conwell. He will take the three from the right wing. Good! Ryan Conwell, the Indianapolis speed up. 
drains the three, and the Bulls have a 16 to nothing run. Here's Tyler Harris, left side pass to Conwell. Man gambling, he doesn't get it. Conwell gets the three-point line, drains it from beyond the arc. All the way around the cylinder and out. Here comes Harris, back the other way. Stops at the three-point line. They leave Malone. He's going to set his feet and fire. Good! Tyler Harris said, you going to give it to me? I'm going to make you pay. Started to separate a little bit in this game. Up now seven after back-to-back -back three point makes by Ryan Conwell and Tyler Harris. Here's Harris, straight on, stops on a dime, makes his move, collision with Higgins, goes to the basket, that and it's good. Wow, they couldn't guard him at all. It was a start and stop, dribble behind the back, hesitation move in the, in the lane, and a, a, a floating Tyler Harris who went globetrotter on us there. Gets to the free throw line, stops and pops for 14. High archer, yep, Tyler Harris. Gives the signal that Rob Higgins is too short for him. <laughs> Higgins is 6'1", Harris we're, is 5'9". We're starting to see the Tyler Harris swagger now. It's kind of funny. Boggs, right side. Now he gets one entered into Russell Chiwa. He's in his office. Steps through, left-handed layup. Good! Great pass by Boggs, and Chiwa finished it. He's got 14. That's a season high by Chiwa. Chiwa, bounce pass to Conwell to the basket and in. A backdoor cut. And how about Big Russ with the bounce pass as a big point center? Great instincts by the big man. Cross-court pass to Boggs. He'll load up a three in the corner. Bingo! And that might be the nail in the coffin. I think so. They're not fouling with 20 seconds to go. Here's a pass wide open. It's Chiwa, and he gets a two-handed dunk. Yeah, they couldn't stop him, and the Bulls were able to roll 75-60 to 60 as Chiwa, 8 of 10. For his 16 points, and as you heard, Tyler Harris starting to cook a little bit. 18 points, 6 of 6 on free throws. Free throws weren't a problem in this game, I guess, if you're ahead by a lot, which is the point. You can't be harmed by missed free throws, and why not? They went 10 for 12. So more on them tomorrow as they're getting set to take on UMass. We talk about free throws yesterday. Not that it would have mattered, but one of the many things that went wrong for women's basketball after a great start. And again, we'll do full highlights in about a half hour. But just the thumbnail version here on what happened with the women. Friday night was great. A 63-50 win over Georgia Tech. Bulls were up 25-12 after the first quarter. Anytime it looked like the Yellow Jackets might be coming back, Elena Chinecki would make a shot. She scored 24. Dulce Fink Amengiadu, 21 rebounds, a personal high. She would go on to obliterate the Gulf Coast Showcase record for total rebounds in three games. And the Bulls got some nice contributions off the bench from Danny Gonzalez. Now, that's no small thing because going back to the win at home last week against Alabama and now playing three NCAA tournament-type teams, you see what your freshmen really have as far as readiness level, and unfortunately, you just didn't get much for the bench. But Danny Gonzalez was the exception on Friday night. Here are some of the highlights as called by yours truly. Janeki, wide open three, looks good from my angle, and it is. Boy, Alanis, three-point shooting has been on point today. Janeki makes her third three. They have needed those today. Ragged right now, but Gonzalez comes out of there with the rebound, and they need to settle it down. What effort by Gonzalez for the offensive board, but what poor shooting by Georgia Tech. Ten on the shot clock. Let's see if we can get a clean look here. Inside to Fanka Mangiato, Adonis Honor misses the shot. Gonzalez flies in for another board over Hermosa, no good. But what effort by Danny Gonzalez. Hermosa sends her away from the basket. Oh, that's an aggressive drive right there by Dulce. Takes Hermosa to the rack, and it's 45-32. Jackson shakes Wilson, but not completely. That's a contested jumper. No good, great defense by USF, and Dulce pulls her career-high 18th rebound. Other way, Wilson and Gonzalez, and that's a fast-break bucket. And the Bulls are up 15 points. Janecki scored 24. Fanka Mengiato 19 with 
21 rebounds, and Gonzalez in 18 minutes off the bench, 9-7. and seven, And the Bulls outboarded the Yellow Jackets 50-34. to 34. And then everything looked great on Saturday night against an Elite 8 team from last year. Granted, they lost their star player Naz Hillman, but had a lot of talent coming back and were undefeated. But the Bulls did more than show they belonged on the same floor with Michigan. They were sort of nudging ahead the entire way. And they would take a seven-point lead early in the fourth quarter. Bulls have it to start the fourth quarter, going from my right to my left. Up 45-43, Ariel Wilson over to Brito. Once that three, that looks better, and it is. Carla Brito pumps in the three, and the Bulls have their largest lead of the day. Oh, Brito fakes the shot, drives the lane. This looks good. Carla Brito is taking over. It's 50-43. to Indeed it was. She would score again later. Seven of her 12 points real quick in a key moment. Sammy Puises started things for the Bulls with a 17-point first half. You could tell Michigan was focusing on Elena Chinecki. So everything was fine until Maddie Nolan decided to hit her first two threes of the game. Now, she is Michigan's top three-point shooter, but she had a goose egg going into the fourth. It was a five-point lead for the Bulls, 54-49, on a jumper by Chinecki with six minutes left. Nolan scores on the other end. They miss two free throws, but they get the offensive rebound, skip it over to Nolan, and her second straight three puts Michigan ahead. It was back and forth the rest of the way. Nolan made another three for a two-point lead. Bulls got it to within a point on a Chinecki drive with 20 seconds left. Michigan two free throws, and then Chinecki tried a tying three with 11 seconds left. That was off. So the Bulls lose it 63-58. to It was disappointing, but also encouraging because you knew if the Bulls could beat Villanova, They'd probably be in the rankings, but they never got that look. Villanova, which was 4 for 22 from three-point land in its loss to Baylor, which itself was another close semifinal, the tie game in the final minute, was 5 for 6 against the Bulls in the first quarter. The Bulls were 5 for 25 from the floor. They had 11 more field goal attempts than Villanova in the first quarter and yet got outscored 26-11. to 11. That's pretty much all you need to know, along with the fact that Villanova has one of the best players in the country, Matty Segrist who was second in the nation in scoring last year, was averaging 28 and 10 and a half rebounds entering this game this season, was held below her averages, but only because she didn't play the last five minutes as Nova was up 20 plus. 72 to 50 ended up being the final score. Segrist, 25.7 rebounds in the Bulls. A couple things might have had a little bit of a carryover effect from losing to Michigan. Also, first time, a lot of players have had to play three games in as many days. And again, the bench contributions just weren't that great. Sammy Puisis was awesome in this game. A lot of determination. Her threes weren't falling, so she was driving to the rack. Bulls were just one of nine on threes. Puisis was one of six. Michigan cooled down after that five for six start from distance. They went 0 for seven in the second quarter, nine for 20 from the game. But still, the difference in the three-point category alone was 24 points, and the final margin was 22. So what does this mean? Forget about rankings talk, for now anyway, but if the Bulls beat Texas on the road Friday and then NC State the following weekend, we can resume that. Ariel Wilson missed the second half due to injury. If you were listening, looks like she's fine. Just didn't want a chance getting her back in there in a game that clearly the Bulls were not going to come back and win. And although Dulce Fankamengiadu struggled with her inside shot, she still pulled down 17 rebounds. So 21, 11, and 17. That's 49 in three games. A tournament record. Bulls back at it on Friday at Texas. Volleyball lost to Tulane in straight sets Friday night to end the season. We're not done talking about some of the outgoing seniors on that team, but 
Again, that's all the time we have on this 30-minute recap show, but wanted to mention volleyball gave us some moments this year, and certainly CeCe Clawson, among others, will be missed by that program. But this program ends for now. I'm Derek Sharp.